Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Thanks for joining me on the breakfast show. I'm Ryan Huang. On Mind Your Business today, we are speaking to a second-generation business heiress who is also a sustainability champion, where sustainability runs in her blood. So, from pens to food, precision engineering, air pollution, and renewable energy, she sees sustainability in every aspect of our lives. Her journey started with a non-profit called Save That Pen during her university days, which gave used and unwanted pens a new lease of life, and she passes them on to underprivileged students in Singapore and the region. She then went on to work in an internationally sustainability non-profit forum for the future for over seven years before returning to her family business. So let's find out more about her sustainability passion, journey, and aspirations. She's with me in the studio, Kia Tiehui, Business Development Manager for Ichi Seki. Good morning, Tiehui. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ryan. So I've got to start first because of what's on your t-shirt right now. It says, always tired. You've got a lot on your plate, right, Tiehui? Yeah, you guys got me up early this morning. <laughs> and uh, first of all, don't call me an heiress. <laughs> yes. Um, How would people normally describe you? Because you've got so much going on. Um, yeah, I think that's actually something that is worth unpicking. Recently, I was just doing a staycation at Lazarus Island with one of my best friends who's known me since 11. And she actually said, if there's one thing you can do to get closer to living a best life, mm-hmm. it's to do less. Less Essentialize. is more, I guess. More. Yeah, it's not how much you do, it's you know, the impact and the quality of the stuff you're doing. And you have definitely been impacting a lot of sectors as well as bring change in many areas. Before we talk about sustainability and precision engineering, now help us to know more about you. you know, what was that pivotal moment for you that sparked your passion into this journey for sustainability and set you on this well, eco journey? Well, I think unlike a lot of the sustainability advocates that I know, I didn't really grow up with a love for nature. I wasn't one of those National Geographic readers, but I did grow up with my maternal grandmother mm-hmm. and a childhood nanny. And I think women of that generation who, you know, post war had to do a lot with very very little so frugality just not wasting anything is really part and parcel of my childhood so I think that came from there but if you were to say you know intellectually what sparked the moment where I was like oh gosh this is this is really serious and I feel like I need to do something about it as a as a late teenager I think uh, early 2000s there were two two media pieces one was Al Gore's movie An Inconvenient Truth one of the first movies that was a documentary that I saw in a a movie theater and then another one was uh, I can't remember which university lecturer but obviously he or she did a really important thing for me by playing something called The Story of Stuff. It's an animated video and it's I think it's all of 15 or 30 minutes and it really, really changed my perspective on why. Yeah? Why are we making so many things and consuming so much only to then throw it away quite quickly? Mm. So these two things quite pivotal to me in yeah. my early years. I can tell um, those things have um, really changed who you are as a person today because you're telling me I'm taking away your gutting time this morning. <laughs> so thank you for coming <laughs> into the studio. 
Now let's talk about what made you go back to the family business because you had a passion for sustainability and you were working at the Forum for the Future for a good seven years. And that's for many people a dream come true. But you decided to come back into the family business, Ichiseki, which is in the precision engineering space. So a very <laughs> big gap on the surface. And this is back in 2019. And it has something to do with our Prime Minister, Lee Sin Long. Yes, yes, yes. That sounds very grand, but um, actually it was just me sitting at home watching TV. Thanks for saying that. You're right. It's absolutely a dream come true. My job at Forum for the Future. So shout out to all my wonderful ex-colleagues who continue to really inspire me doing the wonderful and important work that they do. Um, but actually my first job out of school was working in a comms team in a government agency. So it became a habit for me every year to watch National Day Rally speech by Prime Minister, right? So I knew that's where a lot of important things get announced. And uh, so this is 2019. This is pre-COVID. I was at home watching National Day Rally with my father. And yeah, so to my surprise, uh, Prime Minister Lee basically spent about 40 minutes, 45 minutes talking about climate change really, really kind of explaining the science of it. And I must say he and the team did a good job because he really broke it down to like, what does it mean? Mm, I remember for... this one. This was the one with infographics exactly. showing the shoreline. Yes. And he was like, you know, 1950s, Chinatown was flooded. We don't want to get back to those days. So he really made it impactful in a way that was understandable for all Singaporeans. And they also featured a very good friend of mine, Farah Sanwari, and uh, her work at Repair Kopitiam. So that made me sit up and listen. Um, so at this point, I guess I already knew that Singapore as a country, we had two sets of targets for climate change, right? One was if there was no global climate agreement in place, pretty much we would kind of do our best, try our best, but we're so small, if everyone else is not on board, it doesn't make a difference. And then the second set was if there was a set of global agreements, climate agreement in place, and that happened with the Paris Climate Change Agreement in the end of 2015. So this is 2019 already, right? Where all the dust has settled. I think all the people in government work very hard <laughs> to understand what does it mean to now, actually, for Singapore to work towards this second set of much, much, much more ambitious targets that would entail essentially disrupting the way that we run businesses, how our economy success is measured, really much more deep change compared to that first set of we try our best type of targets. So for Prime Minister to spend, you know, such a long time talking about climate change, I knew that meant that Singapore is going to take it seriously. And so 2019 and now you fast forward to 2023, I think we've totally seen that in the last two, three years. And me sitting there on the sofa in 2019, at that point, I mean, I love my work at Forum for the Future, but it's really much more regional, mm. working with much larger companies, working with uh, either the Southeast Asian conglomerates or international MNCs. I didn't really get as much of a chance to... You know, one work in Singapore and much less work with SMEs, like smaller companies, which in every economy makes up 80% of the businesses in any economy. And if you don't have 80% of the economy engaged, there's no real change that's going to happen, right? So, and then my dad was sitting next to me and, you know, he and his team at Ichiseki had for the last 35 years been doing nothing but serving SMEs. We're not that large, but, you know, we easily serve 2,000 SMEs in the precision engineering sector. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was when I was really thinking like, this is perhaps the platform that I can work with to do work that is much, much, much more on the ground with business and bring to life, you know, what I want to see, the change I want to see when I was advocating for in Forum for the Future, but in a business context and do the hard work, like actually try to make money okay. on sustainability. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's uh, fantastic and very encouraging to hear that you've 
you've got this target in mind. Mm-hmm. And then that brings to the question, how do you reach that target? Because I believe you have a background in business administration. So going back into the fan business of yeah. precision engineering, you have a bit of a gap when it comes to domain expertise. So how do you ramp up that side of things and then figure out what needs to be done? When you talk about championing sustainability, what were actually some of the things you did and the policies you wrote out to help on that journey towards that target? Right, right. I would say actually in any business, there's the technical expertise and then there's the management expertise, right? So it did take some getting into precision engineering. Actually, when we say that in my context, it's we sell machines, metal cutting equipment that literally is drilling holes into and cutting up metal blocks. And to this date, you know, I am not a machinist. I I don't run the machines. I I dare to touch some buttons, but the engineers do that work, right? I did take some courses at ITE in preparation of uh, going back to Ishiseki. So the basic understanding, I think it's all about willingness to learn. But coming back to sustainability and what I did. I think really, really being in family business has taught me that you got to power it back to the basics and nothing gets as basic as our electricity bills. Mm. <laughs> so unintended consequences of uh, there was a Ukraine war, right? And then it sparked an like, energy crisis and bills really went up. So for manufacturing, you know, our bills can be anything from, uh, when I say our bills, I mean my customer base because we sell equipment, right? So I get to see the whole range of factories, very different size from one unit in a JTC building to a huge standalone building. So the bills like between 2,000 to uh, hundreds of thousands and when the prices kind of like went times two, times three, oh, that's like you could be paying a whole year of someone's salary every month without changing a single thing in your operations. So the pain was felt Mm -hmm. and I think that therefore there is now great amount of interest around how can I reduce my electricity bill, right? And I think it's something that a lot of um, manufacturing business owners just didn't think so much about in the past because it's regular operating expenses. And it sometimes does take a crisis, in this case, the energy price spiking unexpectedly for people to then pay attention to something that they took for granted in the past, which is that electricity will be cheap. And I think, you know, now that there's a lot more awareness around carbon tax coming in, the business owners, I think when I put on that that hat, I'm like, okay, this is about managing costs, Mm. right? But the other thing I would say is that sometimes there's too much of an emphasis on policies, on sort of like uh, practices. But at least even in my work in the nonprofit, I realized that when it comes to what is really that motivating factor that helps business decision makers change or to embrace sustainability, a lot of it comes back to what's the purpose in the first place of running a business. So I credit a lot my peers at the Family Business Network, FBN, and also the Precision Engineering Trade Association. SPETA, because these networks have been so critical for me to just meet other people in very similar position as me. So mm. next generation business leaders and a lot of us are, you know, not from the field that our businesses are actually in. And there are all these difficult, difficult questions, right? Of like, how do I respect the legacy, respect the what we have inherited and has been built up by our parents' generation. But we need to transform the business. We need to digitize. We need to, you know, tackle climate change, all these things. And it comes back a lot of times to, uh, is this really just about making money? Because businesses have to be profitable. But there are so many ways to make money. Arguably, sometimes easier than joining a family business. Yeah, so I do do want to get into that (laughs) point, all right? So when you're running a business, you have different pressures, Mm -hmm. some from shareholders, some from customers. So you have to weigh between running a business... 
the short term, mm. you know, just getting cash flow, and then you have the long term side of things. And then sometimes when you go for greener practices, you might have to pay a premium, especially when you look for niche suppliers. So when you go through your business at mm. Ichiseki, how do you manage and balance those considerations? And how do you decide or at least convince your stakeholders that no, mm. we might have to pay more near term, but then long term, but long term benefit? Yeah, I mean it's exactly that. It's exactly that. Um, I don't think any business is going to make decisions that will push us into running our business in the short run. So we can't take like huge steps immediately. It does need to start with quite practical things that you can see a payback mm, on. What do you do? Did you upgrade your machines? Um, so the so interestingly, there's a huge assumption around production machines, the machines that we sell being the energy guzzler. But we've done a number of studies with the help of SIT, the university. Um, and we realised that it's the things that we don't pay attention to. La. It's aircon. Mm. It's um, something called compressed air systems where you, you kind of like, there's air gun which you use to clean the chips off the machine. These things, these ancillary systems are the ones that are using up energy and there are very, very ready technologies that are slightly pricier, which can bring down your, your energy bill by 20-30% just by switching your systems. So the reason people haven't been doing that is, like I said before, operating expense is quite easy to ignore. When it's monthly, you just see the same number. Yeah, I guess you don't know what you don't know as well. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, sometimes I joke these days that I'm basically now like the aircon girl. <laughs> Like, um, I mean, we sell these, these like million dollar machines to our customers, but when they say like, hey, what's the first step on sustainability that we can do with your I'm like, nine out of 10 times the answer is probably change your air conditioning. <laughs> okay, I guess it's the little things and you have to do a thorough review along your yes. whole value chain. What can be done? What can't be done? So that's um, something to take away from I guess that journey into sustainability, look at what you can change. Mm -hmm. And you're running so many things these days. You've got the demands of running your family business. You've got the volunteer-run projects like Save That Pen, which has been running for 13 years. You also volunteer with the Food Bank Singapore. (laughs) What keeps you motivated, Jiehui, and energized? How do you manage your time effectively to balance all these commitments plus find time for yourself? Yeah, I did walk into the studio with a shirt that says always tired. Uh So (laughs) maybe I don't have a great answer to that. But I guess for someone like me, who's always very curious, always very engaged, uh, I do have a tendency to do too much. Uh, So if anything, I would say, yeah, like uh, maybe we don't need to celebrate always doing more and more. I think we all need to do things that we believe in. And uh, I would highly recommend this podcast that another good friend of mine had told me to listen to called Time Management for Mortals by somebody called Oliver Bergman. And the gist of that really was just like, we have a lot less time than we might imagine in our whole lives. And do you really want to do things that feel like it's what you need to do to be productive? Feel like what you need to do because, you know, society tells you to do it, it's necessary. Or do we want to just spend time on things that we actually think is important and with the people that we love? So I think that's my time management trick. (laughs) (laughs) Trying, trying to live up to it, but uh, not perfect in any way. All right. Don't do things for sake of doing it. Just, you know, make sure what you do is impactful and worth doing, I guess. Yeah, and important to you, I think. Not everybody cares about climate change, for example. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's a great lesson to take away. Well, we've been speaking with Kia Tiehui. She is the business development manager for Ichiseki. And she's helping Ichiseki in the space of precision engineering on the journey towards sustainability. Tiehui, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Ryan. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.